Good evening. Good to see you tonight. Glad that we can be back together uh, this evening to study God's Word. If you have your Bibles, turn it over to uh, John chapter, sorry, not John, Luke chapter 22. Be helpful if the preacher knows where he's going. Uh, Luke 22 is where we're going to be at tonight. We'll start in verse uh, 54 here in just a little bit. Uh, Luke twenty-two fifty-four it should be a fairly familiar passage to you, uh, but there's a specific uh, phrase or uh, uh, detail that's given in this passage uh, that's not given in some of the other accounts of this event that we want to look at tonight. Uh, we are starting tonight uh, for the first time uh, after a number of other series that we've done on Sunday nights. We're going to do the Look series. Uh, and this lesson, I don't anticipate will be very long, uh, but I don't usually anticipate my lessons are going to be long, and they are. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how this goes, uh, but I'm not anticipating this one will be long. This is the one that kind of uh, spurred on this idea of having this series. We're going to look at a, a number of different events that happen uh, in the Bible, in the life of Jesus, in the Old Testament, the New Testament, and we're going to consider the, the individuals that are there, what would they have seen, what would they have thought, what would they have, what would have been on their mind if we were there. So we're going to try and put, our, put ourselves in their place and appreciate it from, uh, from that perspective a little bit. So tonight, uh, this lesson and this specific uh, uh, event, uh, there's a phrase again in Luke's account of this account uh, that isn't in the other ones and kind of uh, spurred this on. And this is a series that uh, Evan and uh, Jesse and I work together on, on a lot of these lessons uh, to try and work these together. Uh, we meet probably on average about once a month and, uh, and work on a sermon together. So most of these sermons will be ones that n- not just to my input, but Evan and Jesse too. So uh, looking forward to uh, sharing with you guys the kind of the culmination of the work that we've put into uh, these thoughts uh, this, uh, over this, this series. And we'll do this at least through May, probably, uh, Lord willing. Uh, every, every time we get a chance to get together, if there's not something else specific going on, uh, we'll be doing the Look series, looking at these different events and trying to put ourselves into these people's uh, places, okay? So again, this is a familiar passage. You know what's going on here. This is the, uh, the denials of Jesus by Peter. Uh, you're familiar with that. If you look in Luke chapter 22, uh, earlier on in the chapter, we have the, uh, the Lord's Supper. Uh, so you think about they're there in the upper room. And they're there and they're uh, participating in that. Jesus is instituting the Lord's Supper. They've just uh, experienced and, and followed the Passover of the Jews. And then Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. He washes their feet, you'll remember, from other accounts. Uh, also, just setting the stage for where we're going here. Uh, in, in Luke's account, interestingly, uh, right after, and this is, you know, for us, this would just kind of shock us, right? This, we wouldn't, it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to us, right? Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. Uh, then Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. And they're all shocked by that. And we could get that. One of the 12 is going to betray him. But then right after that, kind of leading into it, seemingly asking as, they, as they're shocked by the statement, one of you is going to betray me, then they're wondering, okay, well, who's it going to be, right? And you, you and I would do the same thing, right? Who's it going to be? But hopefully we wouldn't go to the next step that the apostles of Jesus went to, okay? Who went there? The apostles of Jesus. Okay, one of you is going to betray me. Who could it be? Is it going to be you? Is it going to be? And they they kind of start saying, "Well, here's why it's going to be this guy. You know, this guy over here is going to be that guy. It's certainly not going to be me. Don't you know? I'm I'm the apostle that Jesus loves. You know, I'm this. I'm that." And they're and they're arguing amongst themselves, kind of answering the question, "Who is going to betray Jesus?" They they argue amongst themselves, starting around verse 20, 24, Who's the greatest? Right? Well, certainly it won't be me that betrays Jesus. Don't you know who I am? Certainly we would hope that none of us would go there, but the apostles of Jesus go there. So what does that mean? We'd probably go there too. 
if we were in that room and in that situation, okay? Uh, so they go to that, and then seemingly right after that, that's when they go to the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus prays, and you remember the three times and the intense prayer that Jesus has, and the apostles falling asleep, and all of these things. And we've talked about in other times where, uh, you know, they, they must have uh, passed through the Kidron Valley uh, over the Brook Kidron that would have had the, uh, the blood of the, uh, the lambs that were being sacrificed during Passover. The blood would have been in that water more than likely, and Jesus would have stepped over that, thinking about the Passover lamb. He's going to be the Passover lamb. And maybe even they're, they're continuing this argument about who's the greatest as they're walking down the valley over the Kidron and back up the valley to the Garden of Gethsemane, okay? So that's, that's where we're at. Uh, Jesus has this time of prayer. And then in the verses uh, 39 through 46 or so uh, and following, he says, hey, uh, they're, they're coming for me. The time has come. And, and Judas betrays Jesus with a kiss, and there's this group that arrests him. And then we get to verse uh, 54, and this is really where we're going to think about uh, tonight. Verses 54 through 61. Uh, now, having arrested him, they, okay, if we go back up to verse 47, I think you know this, but just to make sure, in verse 47 it says, while he was still speaking, so he's telling, he's telling the, uh, the apostles, hey, they're, they're coming for me, why are you sleeping? It's time to get up, it's time to take action. Uh, while he was still speaking, behold, a crowd uh, came, and the one called Judas, one of the twelve, was coming ahead of him. And he approached Jesus to kiss him. Okay, so this crowd of people is coming to arrest Jesus. Uh, Verse 54, now, they having arrested him, they led him away and brought him to the house of the high priest. But Peter followed at a distance. Peter followed at a distance. And after they, in my mind, that they there is the same crowd. The same crowd of people that uh, came from Jerusalem to arrest Jesus. They've already been described as them. So the, the they is it's talking about that same group of people, okay? That same group of people are there. Uh, after they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard, so they take him to the high priest's house, and they're kind of waiting to see what happens. So they're, uh, it's a cool evening, apparently. So they, or maybe they just need some light, uh, but they build a fire, okay? And they, they're gathering around the fire as people would, especially during times without electricity, right? Uh, after they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter was sitting among them. Okay, well, why would Peter do that? He's putting himself in a little bit of a, uh, uh, situation that he might get in trouble and he ends up getting in trouble, right? Maybe it is the cool evening. Maybe he does want the light, but for whatever reason, he's gathering around with this crowd of people who just arrested his Lord. Also, another detail that's important. We know he's, he's going to be recognized. Well, why would he be recognized? You go back up in verses that we didn't read. Remember, one of them, one of the 12 cuts off the uh, servant of the high priest ear. Which one of them was that? That was Peter. So they probably would have recognized the guy who just chopped somebody's ear off, right? So I don't know exactly what Peter's, Peter's maybe distraught. I don't know what's going on in his mind. He's not acting very rationally, I wouldn't think here. If you don't want to be noticed, and clearly from his response, he's not wanting to be noticed, uh, but there he is. Uh, and, and he's right there in the midst with them, okay? Um, verse 45. And after they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter was sitting among them. And a servant girl, seeing, uh, seeing him as he sat in the firelight, was looking intently at him and said, This man was with them too. How many of you guys ever thought about in that crowd of people that arrested Jesus there were women? Anybody ever think about that? I would conclude from this verse that this servant girl was there. Because in the midst of this, remember, the crowd goes to arrest him. They come back, take him to the high priest's house. They build a fire. She is there. In my mind, this indicates that, that there were not only, you know, people with uh, clubs and lanterns that were men, but there were some, some ladies in the midst of this. It's just something that had never crossed my mind until I was preparing uh, for the lesson this week. So she's there, and she sees them, and she says, this man was here too, verse 57. But he, Peter, denied it, saying, woman, I don't know him. A little later, another saw him and said, you are, you too are one of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. 
And after an hour passed, okay, so some time passed, another man began to insist, saying, certainly this man was with him too, for he also is a Galilean. So that's interesting too. This third man, see, maybe the first two are, are very in quick succession, but then there's an hour time period. What do you think this man, you know, what does he see? As we think about this look series. Well, he's, he's watching Peter, right? And he, he's listening to Peter. And how does he know he's from Galilee? Maybe from the way that he's dressed. Perhaps there might be some indication there, but more than likely from the way that he speaks, uh, from his dialect, from the things that he's saying. So they're, they're keeping an eye. These, these people, after the, the, the servant girl says, he was one of them too. No, I'm not. No way. And the man says, you certainly are one of them. No, I, I, man, I don't know him. I'm not one of them. And then this man begins to insist because he's been sitting there looking at Peter. And he's convinced so he begins to insist that this man was with him too because he's Galilean. Then verse 60, but Peter said, man, I do not know what you're ta- talking about. Immediately, uh, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. And then here's, here's the phrase, verse 61. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. What does that look like? When Jesus, who's at least under arrest at this point, maybe under some sort of trial, maybe under some sort of persecution physically at this point, maybe certainly this crowd that's come to, to arrest him, they're, they're not big fans of Jesus. That's why they're arresting him and taking him, uh, hoping that he'll be crucified, right? Uh, they're, they, we, we don't know exactly the, the timing of exactly when this happens versus the timing when the, uh, the people begin to, to persecute him or mock him or spit on him or do any of those things, but it, it's not a good time for Jesus. He's, he's shackled, uh, perhaps, uh, he's, his hands are tied together. He's, he's awaiting this, this, this time. What, what do you think that look was like? Let's think about three different groups, three different uh, people that, that had some looks. What do you think those, those three people, the, the servant girl and the man and then the second man and then all the people who are gathered around the fire, when, when, uh, when this happens and then a rooster crows, let's, let's read the rest of the, the passage here in verse, through verse 62. And what do you think the, the people, what do, you, what do they see and what are they thinking, okay? Verse 61 again. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And it seems as if that look leads to the next sentence. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had told him, before a rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and cried bitterly. So Peter, for whatever reason, is gathering around the fire. Maybe it's for warmth. Maybe it's for light. Maybe it's for community. We don't know exactly why Peter is gathering around the fire, but there he is. He's been accused three times. This third time, uh, you know, other versions say that he begins to, uh, to swear, maybe, probably not uh, using curse words, but making oaths. No, I'm not. I, I promise you, I don't know this person. Being very serious about it and, and really pulling some judgment upon himself because of that, uh, he, he, he promises, he, he makes an oath. I, I don't know who this man is. I'm certainly not one of his followers and immediately the rooster crows and and the lord turns and looks at him and peter notices the look and then what does he do he runs out and he cries bitterly what do you think the people around the fire are thinking what's wrong with that guy right or i knew he was one of them or or anything like that you know just think about the 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 things that they thought about if, if 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 right now in the middle of of worship service somebody got up and ran out crying what would you think Something's wrong. Something's wrong with that person, right? You would think, some, what, what's wrong with that person? What's happening? Maybe, maybe people who aren't even around Peter for the conversations he's having with these other people, maybe they're just thinking, something's wrong with him. But all those people, especially this man who's insisting, no, you are one of them. You're a Galilean. Uh, they, they would think, uh, this, this is something serious. Uh, what do you think Peter thought when Jesus turned and looked at him? Can you imagine 
what Peter thought when he's just denied Jesus for the third time. And he hears that rooster crow. And, and Jesus, in whatever state he's in, but, but not, in a, not in a good situation, uh, turns and looks at him. And in my, in my mind, I, I've pictured it in, in different ways, but, you know, at least he's got some sort of guard around him that are probably, you know, they're not being gentle with Jesus. You know, they're not, they're not being careful with Jesus. They're not treating him with much respect at all. If they're, if they're helping him get somewhere, they're kind of dragging him, yanking him along. You know, they're, they're not being gentle with Jesus. They think he's, uh, you know, a false Christ. They think he's a false prophet. They think that he's, he's someone that they are willing to and interested in, you know, being thrown into prison at the very least, if not crucified. They're not being gentle with Jesus. So Jesus, in the midst of this, he, I don't know if he hears Peter. I don't know exactly how far away he says some distance, right? A close distance, but some distance. Uh, does, does he hear him? Does he hear the rooster crow? What happens? But, but Jesus knows. When, when that rooster crows, Jesus knows what just happened. And somehow he knows where Peter is. And he turns and he looks at Peter. If that were you, if you were Peter, what thoughts would be going through your mind? Probably something along the lines of abject failure, right? How in the world did I do this? I can't believe that I did this. And that's why he goes out and weeps bitterly. If we go back a little bit earlier uh, into the chapter, let's look at verses. uh, We're going to look at four verses. We're going to look at them in a little bit of a reverse order. Look at 31 and 32. Sorry, we'll look at 33 and 34, and then we'll back up to verses uh, 33 and 31 and 32. So starting at verse 33. Um, so again, this is kind of in the midst of them having this argument about who is the greatest. And then verse uh, 33, uh, but uh, he, Peter, said to him, uh, Jesus, Lord, with you I am ready to go both to prison and to death. Now that's a bold statement uh, that we, we might doubt a little bit, but Peter actually proves himself to be willing to do that, right? Remember, he's the one who pulls out the sword and takes the swing. He's not a very good soldier. He misses, right? That's why he gets his ear. He wasn't aiming for the ear. Uh, but he was willing to fight for Jesus. I'll go with you to prison even to death. So he, he says that. He, he admits that. And I think in many ways he backs that up. But notice what Jesus, imagine they're arguing about who's the greatest. I would certainly never uh, betray Jesus. And then Peter says, I would go with you even to death. What if Jesus responds to your bold statement of strength and determination and willingness to even die for you? What if Jesus said this? And he said, I say to you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you have denied me three times that you know, denied three times that you know me. Peter, you, you might be willing to, to fight for me, but I'm going to tell you something. Before the rooster crows, you're going to deny that you even know me. And Peter, in his mind, would think, there is absolutely no way. There's no way I would never deny knowing you, Jesus. I am your follower. I'm your disciple. I, I, am, I am with you through thick and thin. I've been with you through thick and thin. I'm willing to fight for you. I'm willing even... Uh, to die for you. How did we get here? How did Jesus get to this point? How did Peter get to this point? Go back up to verse 31 and 32. Um, and an interesting thing here that, again, I, I had not noticed or had not taken the time to, to really dig into, but something that's interesting here. Your version may read this way. Uh, the version that I normally read does not read this way, but notice what it says in verse 31. Simon, Simon, so Jesus talking to Peter. Behold, Satan has de- demanded to sift all of you like wheat. Okay, so some of you are reading your versions and you'll say, my version doesn't say all of you. My version says you. Again, this is what uh, this, this version says. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to sift all of you like wheat, to test you, uh, to put you through some sort of difficulty. But it doesn't say, some of our versions, uh, I, I generally read out the New American Standard, and it says just you. Uh, and, it, and when we read it that way in the English, we think that Jesus is specifically saying to Simon, 
Satan has determined or asked or demanded to sift you, Simon Peter. Uh, But the reality is that you there is plural. Uh, He's talking about all of the apostles. Satan has demanded to test, to, to sift all of you like wheat, to test you. All of you are going to be tested. And, and what happens, this test is coming up here in just a few minutes in the garden, right? Uh, at least the, some of the test is coming up here in just a few minutes, okay? Look at verse 32. Uh, but Jesus continues to say, but I have prayed earnestly for you that you is singular. Okay? To Simon, he's speaking to Simon and he says, Satan has demanded to sift, to test all of you, Simon, I have prayed specifically for you individually. Okay, and, and what, for what reason? I have prayed earnestly for you that your faith may not fail. And you, singular, once you, singular, have returned, strengthen your brothers. All of them were going to be tested. Did, did Jesus pray for the, the other apostles? Maybe. But he doesn't say that he did. He says to Peter, All of you are going to be tested. And and Simon, and notice he uses Simon, not Peter, his original name. So there's probably some significance there. It's kind of like calling somebody by their whole name when they're in trouble or you want to get their attention. He doesn't say Peter. He says, Simon, Simon, I've prayed for you. That when, that your faith won't fail. And that when you go through and you come out the other side of this test that's coming, that you'll come back and you'll strengthen your brothers. What is, what is Jesus' look? The only, no, the only person we know for sure in this passage that actually looks is Jesus, right? Go back to verse 61. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. We make assumption that Peter looked at Jesus, that he recognized the look. That's an assumption. I think it's a pretty strong assumption. I think that makes sense. But we we're not told that specifically. I think that the, the people around the fire would have noticed and looked at Peter as he ran out of the city crying. I think that's, you know, that makes sense for us to think that. But the only person we're told that, that actually looks, if we're thinking about the look series, is Jesus. What was that look? What was that look as, as he looks at, he hears the rooster crow, he knows what's happened, whether he's heard what's happened or not, but he knows what's happened. G, Peter, one of his closest followers, has just denied even knowing him three times in a row. And right after this third time, he turns and looks at Peter. What's that look like? What would that look like be for you as a, as a parent when your, your child does something you know they're not supposed to do? And, and more importantly, they know they're not supposed to do. Would it be a look of disappointment? Would Jesus' look have been a a look of, man, I told you so. I told you you were going to mess up, Peter. I knew that you would. I knew you wouldn't be strong enough to be faithful to me. Yeah, I think think those are some of the things we might think Jesus' look would have been like. Certainly, maybe looks that, that we would have given if we would have been in Jesus' shoes. But if we go back and look at what Jesus said to Peter, Peter, all of you are going to be sifted. All of you are going to be tested. And I've prayed for you specifically, Simon, that your faith will not fail, and that when you come through the other end of this test, you'll return from wherever you're going to end up going, you'll return and strengthen your brothers. That's interesting, again, that Jesus says that you'll return. He says, I I pray that your faith won't fail and that you will return. Did Peter's faith fail? He failed in some instances, didn't he? But did his faith fail? Why was, why was his heart stricken? Why did he go out and weep bitterly? Because he was ashamed that he denied his Lord, who was still his Lord. He fell short. Absolutely, he fell short. And he, he went away for a time. That's why he had to come back. That's why Jesus says, when you return, 
strengthen your brothers. I don't know what this look would have been like, but man, I, I can't, I, I, I don't know exactly when I first read this or first noticed that phrase in the passage probably, but after I, after I was out of, out of my home with my, my parents, maybe college, maybe even after college, I don't know exactly when I noticed it, but, but can, you, can you imagine, in, in your mind, can you picture after, after Peter denies the rooster crows and, G, and the Lord turns and look as he's under arrest and he's already probably, probably being mocked, probably being talked down to, maybe even having been spat upon already or beaten even, you know, all this, this thing that, that Jesus is going through. And Peter, you know, says, I, I'm willing to die for you. There's no way I'd ever deny you. And he does that third time, the rooster crows, and Jesus turns and looks at him. I can understand why Peter went out and wept bitterly. But I'm thankful that he didn't stay there. Aren't you? Aren't you thankful that he didn't keep running? Aren't you thankful that at some point, we're, we're not even really told when Peter comes back. And we know Peter, even, even after he comes back at some point, he, he kind of goes back a little, little bit back and forth. Remember at some point, as they're kind of waiting around, he talks about, I'm going fishing. You know, he kind of just returns back to his old life or maybe he's just going to get his mind off of things. But, but he, he struggles even a little bit, uh, you know, between the, the, resur- or the crucifixion and the resurrection and even a little bit after that. He, he still struggles a little bit with, it, with his faith. But, but Jesus said to him, Peter, you're going to be tested. And he knew that he would fail. But he said, but I've prayed for you that after you fail, that your faith will be strong enough that you'll come back. And that having that experience, you'll be able to strengthen your brothers. It's a beautiful story of redemption. It's a beautiful story of not giving up. It's a beautiful story of coming back. And it's a beautiful story for you that the very same thing can be true for you. Uh, When's the last time you sinned? I won't ask for a show of hands if it was today. But if I did, some of us, if we were honest, would raise our hand, wouldn't we? When's the last time you failed? When's the last time you fell short? When's the last time you verbally or through your actions denied Jesus as your Lord? You've been there, and probably recently, because we all struggle. Doing things that we shouldn't do or failing to do things that we should do. Where should, we, where should our hearts, where should our minds go during that time? Well, I think we should be like Peter. We should be bothered by that. If you're not bothered by your sin, then your conscience might be a little too hard or a little too seared. And we're supposed to be tender-hearted. We should recognize when I mess up, whether, whether we think it's something that's a, a big deal or we think it's something that's minor, it should bother us when we sin against our Lord, when we deny our Lord through our sin. But I also want to certainly encourage you, and I think this is, to me, the main point of a, an application that we can get. Uh, you have known people, maybe you've been a person who has really failed even after you became a Christian. You've, you've wandered away. You've been that prodigal even after becoming a Christian. I, I love this account because Peter fails. And we, we, we use this example of Peter's failure and we, we think about this as a big example of big time failure. And I don't know that it's not. But Jesus, before it happens and after it happens, has a conversation with Peter and says, hey, I need you. I want you. You've got work to do. And I would say he'd say the same thing to you tonight. If, uh, if in this moment you're here, but if you're honest with yourself, your relationship with God isn't where it needs to be. That you're not really living for the Lord 
like you know you should every day. Sometimes I think that we get afraid because we, well, I mean, we think, we think sometimes, uh, I, I, what can I do for the Lord? What, what, how can God use me? How can God use me for his glory? He, I, I know what kind of person I am. I know the struggles that I've got. How could God use someone like me? Well, if we just take the time to read the Bible, we'll recognize that God uses some pretty lousy people to do some pretty amazing things uh, because they give their lives over to him. Uh, tonight, wherever you're at, uh, if you're in a great relationship with God, great. Keep it up. What, is it, what does it mean to be in a great relationship with God? I want to I stress this too. Uh, it doesn't mean that you're perfect because you're not. It doesn't mean you always do the right thing because you don't always do the right thing. Uh, what does it mean to, uh, to, to live in a faithful life with God? Uh, that in your life, as you live your life, you mess up, you do things you ought not to do, you recognize those things you want to do better, and you're faithful to God. Not perfect, but you're faithful to God, meaning that you are completely reliant upon him to have a good relationship with him. You will not have a good relationship with God because you are so great. Because you're not. Not compared to God. You'll have a great relationship with God because you fully lean into and lean on him and for all the things that he can provide with you. So um, at some point last week, at some point this week, at some point in your life, you could have a moment like Peter had here where you mess up big time and lots of people see it and lots of people look at you and lots of people will judge you. And maybe even some of your brothers and sisters in Christ would look upon you unfavorably. How does God look at you? I think when when Jesus turns and looks at Peter, it's not a a look of disappointment. It's not a look of, I told you so. It's not a look of, oh, I caught you. It's a look of sad hopefulness. Jesus already knew he was going to fail. And he says, I've prayed for you that your faith will not fail you. Yes, you're going to fall short, but that doesn't mean that it's all over. And when you've returned, I'm praying for you to return, strengthen your brothers. Use the experiences that you have to strengthen other people who also were dealing with doubt and were dealing with struggle. Imagine the, uh, the, the story that Peter was able to tell the other 12 apostles. Hey, I know you ran away. I know in the garden when, uh, when he was arrested, everybody else except for me and John apparently ran away and, and nobody else even, even stayed anywhere close to Jesus. But, but I want you to understand that, that I have messed up big time too and that we got to come back from this. In uh, your life, maybe, the, maybe today, uh, maybe this week, maybe at some point in your life in the future or in the past, uh, you failed and you messed up and you've wondered, how in the world can I come back from this? Well, you come back from this the same way that Peter came back. Uh, recognizing your shortcoming, being sorrowful for that, being repentant of that, wanting to do better, but eventually coming back, facing the music. What do you... Do you think Peter was proud of telling the story of his denials to other people? No. But how do we know this happened? You ever think about that? How do we know that Peter denied Jesus three times? Probably because Peter told somebody. None of the other apostles were there. Nobody else knew. So at some point, Peter says, hey, I know you messed up. I know you failed. I know you've fallen short. Let me, about, let me tell you about a time when I did the same thing. And he's able to share this personal story and strengthen his brothers. 
And, and you know that to be true. You know that to be true of people in your life. You know that to be true maybe of your own life and whatever struggles or difficulties, personal failures or things that you've just had to deal with that have happened to you. You know that you've got a story that maybe at some point in your life you've been able to share with someone else and you've been able to encourage them. The same way that Jesus prays for Peter, when you return, strengthen your brothers. Uh, this, this evening, I want you to know if you're going through something right now, uh, we love you, we care about you, we want to help you in whatever ways that we can. If you uh, have a need that you need to let us know about so that we can pray for you, we certainly want to do that. But if there's something specific that you need us to do uh, to help you overcome temptation or difficulty or trial or tribulation or whatever it is, uh, we can't do that if we don't know what's going on. Do you hear me? I can't help you. Your brothers and sisters, this family here at Jefferson Avenue cannot help you if we don't know what's going on. I won't say that some people won't look at you if you're going through a difficulty, a struggle, a trial, and won't think poorly of you. I won't say that's not possible. But I would say for the very, very, very vast majority of brothers and sisters who are here at JA, we'll be disappointed, we'll be sad, but we'll be hopeful because we know what God can do in your life. If you're going through difficulty, if you're facing sin, if you're struggling, you don't necessarily have to come forward in this moment, but let somebody know so that somebody can help you uh, get back on the right path and return to Jesus in whatever ways you may need it. Uh, If you need anything tonight, we invite you to come as we stand and sing.